We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into his presence, we bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion unto the Lamb, unto the Let's sing that song again one more time. We shall assemble the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into his presence, we bring an offering of song. great to see everyone here this morning. We especially want to welcome uh, our visitors and uh, we want to remind everyone to check in this morning so we have a record of your attendance. Uh, the, the number to check in on uh, by texting is uh, listed on the slide behind me. That's 469-476-5331. Also, you can use your pew cards right in front of you with the QR code uh, to do that. Visitors, you're welcome to do that. If you're a first-time visitor, we ask that you fill out the card and take it to the uh, information welcome booth in the back, and we have a special gift for you. We are so glad that you are with us today. want to make sure that everyone grabs a bulletin or sees it uh, online. Uh, lots of good information, lots of opportunities to become involved in some very significant ministries. One of those, uh, maybe you can tell this week, is VBS. And so uh, during my prayer this morning, I want to off offer a blessing for uh, all of our children and VBS. We have so many children who have signed up. I, I think we are full. Uh, what, a great, what a great problem that we are, have a bunch of children that want to come to VBS. I also this morning want to offer congratulations to Houston and Anita Goodspeed. I think they're here. I saw them early this morning. If they will, if they will stand 68 years of marriage today. 
As we continue our worship, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we indeed are your children. Maybe we can understand, Lord, how you feel about us by how we feel about our children. Lord, we thank you for our children. We love our children as you love us. And Lord, we, we ask your blessing on this week, coming week, and VBS as we, we have our children introduced to your word and make that word come real to them. And Lord, we pray that this might be a blessing to them. Lord, I thank you for all those who are involved in preparing for VBS, for those who are helping, for the teachers, and I thank you for their talents and their dedication and willingness to serve in this area. And then, Lord, I thank you for couples like the Goodspeeds who give us such a great model of a godly marriage. We thank you for this, and we ask your blessings on them. And then, Lord, as we sang just a minute ago, indeed, we have assembled here to join our voices, our prayers, our fellowship, all of it, to praise you. We recognize you as our creator, our sustainer, our savior. Forgive us, Lord, when we follow our own ways, our man-made idols of self-interest, pride, power, money, whatever replaces you is what guides us through each day. We are weak, so we lean on you and the spirit that you have placed within us to guide us into truth and to glorify your name. Even in times of sickness and hard times, despair, whatever we suffer in this sin-sick, decaying world, help us not to choose the ways of this world, but to remain committed to you and your will for us, to be like your son, Jesus, the Christ. Accept our worship to you, given in a humble spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hear the words of the Lord from Psalms 30, 11, and 12. You have turned me, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Wonderful words, Phil. Thank you. Church, let's stand and let's, uh, let's offer our praise this morning. Sing to me of heaven, sing a song of peace from the
As we enter into our time of communion this morning, we're going to sing one more song and then Zach Chambers will come and lead us around the bread and the cup this morning. Yeah. 
Those of you that know me pretty well, you'll know that I'm a big fan of naps. Love taking naps. It's amazing. Anytime that I can get a nap in, it's great. Um, <laughs> thinking back to some of the best naps I ever had, though, um, I have to say was when I was riding in the car, my dad driving up in the front seat, you're kind of at night, you have the lights kind of flashing by slowly as you're going down the highway, have the road noise going, and just the the peace of knowing that my dad, who is one of the most careful drivers I've ever known, is the one in the front seat driving. Can't always say the same for my mom. She's a little bit of a crazy driver. Um, but when my dad was driving, he changes lanes slowly. Like, it's perfect for napping. And uh, really, when, when I was, we in our small group are going through Psalms, and we just went through the first five Psalms, and kind of noticed that Throughout all this, the first five psalms, David mentions sleeping twice. In five psalms, he mentions it twice. And I'm going to read those a couple times. Um, the first one is in Psalms 3, and this is when he's actually fleeing from his son Absalom. Um, so he says, starting in verse 3 of chapter 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. And then again, in the fourth, the, in the fourth uh, chapter, in verse 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So this is David always fighting enemies. He's always struggling with having to uh, fight different people that are on every side. And when I read this, you see the kind of peace that he has, the ability to lay down and sleep, even though he's being pursued by these people who are wanting to take his life. And when I think of that, I know that I want that kind of peace in my life. And uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 4, uh, it tells us exactly how to get that kind of peace. So in, in chapter 4, starting in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So it tells us that by asking God, this is how we how we receive this kind of peace. But the focus here is kind of on that last little part, in Christ Jesus. Without Jesus, this kind of peace is not obtainable. We can't receive it, and we can't really know what that kind of peace is that David's able to have throughout all this immense turmoil that he's having. 
So when I think about you know, all the naps and the, uh, the peace and all that kind of thing, really the focus is on Jesus' sacrifice that we can know that we're saved through, that, through his blood and through his body. Would pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today so thankful for the great sacrifice of your son that we can find this peace that we can't even understand, that we can come to you with our troubles, our tribulations, and receive this peace that there's no other way that we could receive it. Lord, we think about the struggle that he went through on the cross, the immense pain and agony, and we're so thankful for the peace that it brings to us. In your son's name we pray, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we appreciate, again, that great sacrifice of your Son on the cross. We pray that as we think on these things that we take this cup in a manner that's worthy of that sacrifice, that we understand what the implication of it is, that it was for our salvation that Christ had to suffer, but that we know that he was raised from the dead and is always there for us to be that mediator between us and you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Zach, I too like naps, and I heard some other amens when you said, <laughs> I like naps. Hey, church, if you want to give this morning, you can drop your offering in the box in the, the middle of the foyer, or you can give online as always. And uh, if you missed out on giving to World Care last week, you can give online for that and just su su uh, select World Care. And that'll help us out with our, our Guatemala expenses as well as uh, the other items that we're working with and, and helping to support with this World Care offering. You know, one of the great things that as a family of believers, we pray for each other. We pray with each other and we pray for each other. And, and as you know, and has been said many times, our shepherds gather on Monday nights and that is the first thing that they do. We have such a great group of shepherding elders in this flock. And uh, after we pray for our offering time, you're going to watch a video that's just going to share with you how to get connected in prayer um, with this congregation. Let's, uh, let's bow. Father God, thank you for the opportunities that you lay before us to work, to serve, to give within these walls and outside of these walls. Thank you for using us. Father, I would say use us more to be about your kingdom business outside of these walls. Right now, I am thankful that we are able to rest in knowing that the battle has been won. Satan has been defeated. That brings us comfort. That brings us rest. Thank you, Father. May we be a family who prays for each other. May we be a family who bears each other's burdens. Hear our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's watch a little bit more about the prayer ministry. Hey, church family. One of the highlights of my week is the time I spend Thursday afternoons in the auditorium by myself in prayer. Another highlight of the week is when I get to gather with our shepherds on Monday nights to pray over the specific needs of you, our flock, here at Preston Crest. Here are three easy ways that you can submit a prayer request. First, you can use church teams. Simply text the letters ME or ME to church teams, then select Send Prayer Needs. Finally, fill out the form to submit your prayer needs to our elders. Or this morning, you can fill out a card on the pew back in front of you with your prayer request. Then take that card and drop it in the collection box on the way out the east door this morning. Finally, off of our website, you can go to the weekly bulletin part of our website and select send a prayer request. May the Lord bless you for your support of this ministry and other ministries at this church. Well, Gordon, like I told first service, if none of those ways work for you, just pick up the phone and call us. Call us in the office. Let us know how we can be in prayer for you. Or if there's good things happening that you want us to, to join you in praising the Lord over, please do that as well. Let's stand. We're going to send kids up to Children's Church. 
And we'll sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits grateful for a lot of things today. One of them, just looking at all this, obviously VBS is here. It's upon us. I mean, no hiding that. And I'm grateful for all of those folks that built all of this stuff. And even before VBS has started, have just worked hours and hours and hours. And I can tell you firsthand, they had a great time doing it because every time I would come through here, they were, they had the music turned up and they were laughing and they were having a great time. But man, what an amazing job they did. And and uh, are going to do this week, and so many people are going to be blessed through that. So I'm grateful that I'm grateful that summertime has started. I was never one of those kids that loved school, so every time we got out of school, I'll do respect, Phil. I was so happy when we were on break, uh, and I'm grateful for Phil, um, our new members who we got to welcome in last week through PC 101. And uh, so welcome new members. And also, uh, just let you know, if you're interested in that, uh, in being part of this church, we're going to have a PC 101 in early September. So I hope you can be a part of that with us. And I'm thankful for Jacob. Is Jacob here? It's his birthday. Did he take his kid to Children's Church? Okay. He is here. Children's Church. He's right here. There he is. Happy birthday! Yeah! This man celebrating his birthday on the golf course not only got an eagle, but got it on tape. You have proof that you got an eagle. So congrats on that, on that great putt, on that great hole. By the way, Zach, yeah, the napping thing, he really got my attention this morning because I am also a, a connoisseur of the nap. And I was thinking how funny that we did a Jesus napping story. Jesus taking a nap last week. So if you need book, chapter, and verse on that, you got Mark 4, 38, Jesus taking a nap. So Zach, I believe it's part of following the way of the Lord more perfectly, that we would also learn how to nap. And there's probably, Bob Chisholm can work that out. There's probably some deep spiritual truth in those rhythms of wakefulness and napping and all that, but I just like a good nap. 
Temperature was over 100. It was during the summertime. I was about 17 years old, uh, driving from Neosho, Missouri to Springfield to visit a friend. It was about an hour and a half drive. And I remember somewhere just outside of Springfield on the way there, some smoke started coming out from under the hood of my car, and the car started losing power. I was able to kind of crawl that thing, get that thing limping into a service station beside I-44, and I, you know, it was, it was kind of a fix for me because I didn't have much money in my pocket, maybe 20 bucks, no credit cards, no cell phones back then, and so I did what I usually did in a similar jam. I called home. Collect. I'm on the way. By the way, um, Jacob, do you know what a collect phone call is? Have you ever made a collect phone call? No, he hasn't. See, I, my son yesterday, I was telling him about this story, and he's like, collect call. So just ask us later, someone a little older, uh, and we'll tell you about that. But yeah, I called home, and that's what I did whenever I was in a similar difficult situation. I called home, or if I had good news, I remember when, when I proposed to my girlfriend, when I popped the question and she said yes, I called home, and then when I unpopped the question and broke off the engagement, yeah, I called home as well. That's what I did. Celebration or struggle, I called home. And I believe as we talk about prayer, something Jesus introduces us to in terms of prayer reminds us that we are calling home when we talk to God because we are talking to our Father. And while ancient Israel in the Old Testament does have these references to God as father of Israel, Jesus introduces us, it to us in an incredibly personal way. You, as a disciple of Christ, have a relationship with God as your father. You are a child of Yahweh. He taught his disciples, right, when they asked, hey, Lord, teach us to pray. He says in Matthew 6, 9, okay, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. Now, we know Jesus gets to call God Father. He's the only begotten, but he says, no, our Father who is in heaven. And that is really this reference point for God. And when his disciples saw him pray, it was like Jesus was having a conversation with someone he loved very much. They could feel that caring. They could feel that connection between Jesus and the Father. And he opened it up for them as well. And you see it in moments of the ministry of Jesus. The good times and the bad times. Him calling home. At one point, he is in the temple in Jerusalem, and he is disgusted, and he is angry. He's there, and this house of God, this place of worship has been turned into, I mean, it's more eBay than Yahweh. It is all about buying and selling and making a buck, and the crowds of people there, and a big flea market there in the patio of the temple, and Jesus is upset. He says in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, quoting the Old Testament, it is written, My house, my oikos, my home shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. This place of worship, it, it's where God's family gets together, Jesus says. A house. Now, 
I like my house. I bet, I hope you like your house. But I'll tell you this, I also like Whataburger now and again, but I don't want a Whataburger franchise in my living room, you know? Somebody with a headset taking orders and people cooking burgers. I mean, maybe in my backyard, yes, but not in my living room. Because it's our refuge. It's our, it's our home. And the church it's the house of God, the oikos of God. Uh, in the garden, another emotion, anguish being expressed. Jesus about to be arrested. Jesus knowing what is about to happen. He prays this famous prayer once again to his father. Luke 22, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus talking to Father. That's his orientation for his prayer life. Um, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus did a good deal of teaching about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 1, he talks about how when we connect to God in prayer, we're seeking reward from our Father. He talks in verse 4 about how when we get alone, in the bathroom or the bedroom or the car, that quiet place where you are all alone, you are meeting with your Father who sees you in secret. Something about that, meeting with God and being seen by God in secret. Ah, it's just so good. He says in, in Matthew 6 verse 8, that, I love this, when I go to God and I start listing all the stuff I need, that's great, but Jesus says, he already knows that you need those things. Your father is so in tune with you. He knows everything that you need. And actually in that chapter in, in Matthew 6, just in the first half of the chapter, nine times, he says, we address God as our Father. We relate to God as our Father. So what does that do for you? How does that change the way you worship, the way you work, the way you do life? Like when your critics are getting the best of you. When you've had a really hard week, when, when maybe someone in your circle, someone close to you has betrayed you or deceived you, what does that do for you, in you, to you, to know that you are his, he is yours, and nothing is going to change that identity, that relationship that you enjoy? I think it changes everything to know I'm a child of God. I do. Not my will, Lord, not my will, Father, but yours be done. Now, Scripture pushes hard, not just in the New Testament, but even in the Old Testament, hard against heartless prayer and heartless worship. It pushes hard against the rote, the formulaic, the, the memorized prayer, and it pushes into this relational prayer. By the way, so many religions in the world, I'm not here to pick on all these religions today, but you'll notice a theme in the way a lot of these religions, major religions talk about prayer. It is about your, your body posture. Okay? Are you kneeling? Are you doing this? Are you do it's about how many times a day do you pray? What are the intervals between the prayer times? Are you facing Mecca or not? And most importantly, are you saying the words of the prayer correctly so that the blessings of heaven will be open to you? That is not how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, is it? He taught them, you're calling home. You're talking to your father. It, it's like 
And the, by the way, not just a New Testament Jesus thing. It's in the Bible all the way through. I mean, Nehemiah has this prayer that maybe was a second, second and a half long. He gets his chance before the king of Persia to, to address him. And he's like, God, help me. Hannah prays without making any sound as she asks for a baby, for Samuel who will come later. So as disciples, we are, we're calling home. It's, it's not an incantation. We're not saying the words to some spell that if we get it exactly right, boom, heaven is open. We get what we want. It's not like we have to say exactly the right words in the right order. It's not like you you know, at home trying to access your bank account, you know, and you've got your typing in your username and your password and uh-oh, forgot to capitalize that letter or put in the wrong numeral there or forgot the special symbol there, can't get in. It's not like that. He's your father. I love the way the message Eugene Peterson translates Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 7 to 9. Listen to this. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. I remember when my kids were little, I mean like, like little, and they were very interested in what to me as a big person felt like very small things, you know. They wanted bedtime to be pushed back a little later or they wanted a second bedtime story or a third or fourth bedtime story. They wanted an extra cookie. I mean, things like that. And I delighted in saying yes. I mean, if I could say yes, I loved saying yes to my kids. It was so much fun. But at the same time, I was way ahead of them. I had a much bigger plan for them than a second bedtime story or a second chocolate chip cookie or leaving the nightlight on or the door cracked. I had much bigger plans for, for Claudia and David. And I was working that plan. I bet the parents can identify with this. I wanted to see them grow. I wanted to see them mature. I wanted to see my children become confident people who could navigate their way in the world. That's what I wanted for them. And, you know, what do you think? Do you think God has a bigger plan than you? Do you think when you pray, maybe he's a little bit out ahead of you? Your father in heaven? Hmm. Speaking of being way ahead this week, I was working on this message, and I thought about a story that occurred years ago. It was about a year after we moved to Rio. We were getting ready to start the public worship services. We had a rented facility there in this really crowded, lower middle class neighborhood, and me and some of my teammates were walking around the neighborhood, going into apartment buildings and things, inviting people to come to this first official public worship services. We were in this big apartment building there in the neighborhood of Madureira, and we knocked on this door, 19th floor, and the door opened, and there was this smiling elderly lady who introduced herself as Isabel. 
We had never seen her before. Welcomed us into our house, prepared some really strong coffee for us and some delicious warm Brazilian cheese bread. And we sat on our couch and we got to know her and we talked about why we were there. And I said to her at one point, I said, Isabel, it's so funny. I got this feeling when you open your door, I got this feeling like you were expecting us. I mean, we didn't get such great receptions on every door we knocked on, right? And she said, Estavi esperando você sing. I was waiting for you guys, yes. And I was like, well, tell me more about that. And she said, well, she says, I've gotten older. I can't get around very well anymore. And I've been talking to my father about planting a church. I said, God, just plant a church here close where I can get to it in my neighborhood. So she said, yeah, you're here. You're, you're the answer to that prayer. And, and I got this weird feeling like the Holy Spirit had just poked me in the ribs or something. And I started thinking, and I still think about this. What if all of our training in the U.S. before we moved to Brazil, what if all of our team building and our fundraising and all of that and that year of language learning, what if it was all because of her prayer? To the Father. What if that's why we were there? And so we prayed with her and we enjoyed getting to know her and worship God with her and wondering if she wasn't responsible for us being in South America. It's amazing what God does when we come to the Father in prayer. Our Father is way ahead of us when we pray. But he loves to meet us in prayer. He loves to have his children come to him like you love to have your little kids come to you. And I like Romans 8. It, it's not a prayer passage, but it is a prayer passage because it's about this relationship. It says this in verses 14 to 16, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. His Spirit the Father's Spirit living in you bears witness, testifies like under oath, you belong to me. You are my child. Man, I love that. The Spirit, verse 15, of the Father lives in us. The Spirit, verse 15, or 14 rather, leads us. And the Spirit, verse 16, testifies that we belong to Him. I love that. So sometimes praying involves asking for things. We get that. Mostly, I hope for us, praying involves worshiping the name of the Father. Praying invo involves just enjoying time with the Father, enjoys being thankful and telling Him how thankful we are. But yes, every once in a while you make that call home, I need help. And how does He answer? Well, He doesn't always answer the same way. Sometimes He says no. Sometimes He says no. Like, like this is not part of my greater plan for you. So, I'm not going to do that. And I'm grateful for those answers from God when He says no. 
Um, because I, I don't know about you, I have asked for things before. If you go back to being five, three years old up till now, I've asked for plenty of things that I am grateful God said no to those things. Those would not have been good for me. I think about even some of the disciples of Jesus, James and John, those sons of Zebedee. And what a handful those must have been for their dad Zebedee, right? I mean, they were characters. At one point, they come to Jesus like, you know, kind of hope none of the other apostles hear this, but uh, Jesus, we really want the primo seats next to you when the kingdom happens. We want to be your number one and your number two. And listen to the, the audacity of this request. Mark recorded it, Mark 10, 35. We want, they're talking to Jesus here, the Lord. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> okay. And Jesus was like, no, we're not doing that. In fact, he tells him, you don't even know what you're asking. Like, I'm going to do you a solid by not granting that request. And then there's the other time that same two disciples, they, they come across this Samaritan village, right? People, but they're not our people. And they're not being very welcoming. They're not being very hospitable. So James and John are like, hey, Jesus, why don't we call down fire from heaven to incinerate the village? <laughs> and Jesus is like, guys, these two, I mean, we're not going to do that. In fact, maybe we need to go back and do the remedial class on love your neighbor, love your enemy, all that kind of stuff, because I don't think you're getting it. But he was so patient with them, he kept teaching them. He didn't fire them or anything like that. So sometimes God says no, and we can say thank you God for that. Sometimes he doesn't say no, he says slow. These are the not yets of our prayers. These are the timing is not right. Our timing is not his timing. And sometimes we're asking for a good thing or a right thing, but it's not according to God, our Father's timetable. And so he says, let's wait a while. Sometimes when we pray, the Father doesn't say no or he doesn't say slow. He says grow because his agenda, after all, is to mature us, is to grow us up. I mean, sometimes we're like the three-year-olds, like, I want it and I want it now. And God is like, no, I need for you to grow grow up. He's more concerned with our growth than with our gratification, you know, our instant gratification. He wants to turn us into better people, deeper people, people more connected to him and to his mission in the world. And then, yes, sometimes when we pray, the Father says, go. He says, yes, let's do this. Um, these are the yeses of God. The timing is right. You're asking for something, and it aligns with his heart. It aligns with his purposes for your life. And God says, yes, let's go. Let's do this. But really, if God is our Father, we accept his answers. Whichever of those answers he gives us, we say, not my will, but yours be done. You're the Father, I'm the child. It may not be the yes I wanted or the answer that I anticipated or expected for my prayer, but I trust you, Father. So how do you pray? Are you more formulaic, more memorized, pray the same words in the same order uh, to unlock this connection with God? Or do you have this intimacy that God, uh, that Jesus introduces with us? Years ago, I got an email from someone they weren't happy with the way I prayed at church. 
I guess I had prayed a prayer without saying, in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of the prayer. And they're like, that's not a complete prayer. I mean, it's like if you were making that call home, uh, you left a few numbers out, so the connection wasn't made. And they're like, you can't do that. You've got to say, in Jesus' name. And so I listened, you know, and I'm trying to think of how I can answer. I said, by the way, I said, first off, I said, whenever I pray, it's in Jesus' name. Right. I don't pray to other deities. That's, that's the Lord of my life. So if I'm praying, it is automatically in Jesus' name. When disciples pray, it's in Jesus' name. And then, and then I, I pushed a little further, and this probably upset the person more, given the tone of the first email. But I said, you know, biblically, you don't find the phrase, in Jesus' name, amen, in the Bible, if we're trying to be biblical. I mean, nothing wrong with that phrase. It's a great phrase. Say it all the time in my prayers, right? Well, not all the time, but most of the time. But I said, you can go, I said, there are dozens of word-for-word prayers in the New Testament. None of them end with, in Jesus' name, amen. It's just, we don't need to get caught up in, this is not a spell or an incantation where we have to say all the right words and get it exactly right. We're talking to Father. He hears us. The Holy Spirit intercedes, right? When we don't have the right words to say, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't judge. I don't condemn. I believe different people pray different ways. I think there are different cultures, different personalities. I just hope everyone, every child of God can sense that identity and operate from that identity instead of being like... A defendant in a courtroom talking to the judge or something. You're talking to your father, your Abba. By the way, Isla, love to hear Isla pray. It's like Jesus is right there with her on the couch or something. I mean, sometimes I walk in and I'm convinced she's on the phone with somebody, so I'm like, quiet. No, she's just talking to Jesus, you know? They're close like that. And they have a lot of conversations. Effortless, natural, spontaneous. Romans 8 names this intimacy that we enjoy with our Abba. It's like we're calling home when we pray. And by the way, not a long distance call. He is, he is with us. He is not far. I want to finish with the good news this morning because part of this message in Romans 8 is God has adopted us into his family. The language of adoption, of choosing, you're going to be my daughter, you're going to be my son, and Jesus has opened the way for this adoption. Our sins forgiven, the spirit of the Father living within us, we are where we belong, in his house, being fathered, taught, loved, accepted, corrected, being fathered by our God. Um, I would say this before we finish. You can't do this second hand. Like, you can't have someone else believe for you in the name of Jesus. You can't have some other person kind of stand in and repent of your sins or confess your sins. You can't call in someone to be baptized by proxy for you. The question is, what are you going to do as the Father invites you in the name of Jesus to join his family, to be part of his people?
What are you going to do in terms of accepting or refusing the gospel of Jesus and this amazing future the Father has for you? Maybe this morning you need prayers. We're here to, we've talked about this already this morning. We're here to pray for you, pray with you. And maybe it's just gathering with someone as we sing here in a moment. Maybe it's coming down and praying with Phil or me or sending in a prayer request. We want to be really a house of prayer at this church where we are just constantly bringing each other before the Father. But right now, let's celebrate him and his goodness as we stand and worship together. Lost us, find their way. great day to be a Christian. Thank you, John Scott and Zach and Gordon, for leading us for such a wonderful worship this morning. 
We hope to see everyone back again tonight at 6, uh, continuing the, the series on the church's DNA, a study of Ephesus. And I just, uh, I pray and I hope after Gordon's message that this morning is not your last prayer of the week, that you would continue spending time with your heavenly father. Let's read this passage together from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Go in the peace and love of God.